Hi, I'm Ted Cazillo, and this is Data Doodle Radio. In this episode, we talk about jobs, specifically about getting a job, and even more specifically about resumes. And no, it's not a Halloween costume that you can drag out from somewhere, I, I wish. It's a living, evolving sketch, above all, evolving, of what you have done and what you can do and who you are and all that. And recruiters scrutinize it. So for advice on that, I talked to Jennifer Hay, who for the last 15 years has been helping tech professionals hone their resumes to get a job. She does continual work on this, uh, partly by monitoring what advice tech professionals get. And a lot of that is bad advice. It's bad advice because it's the same general advice that generalists give, uh, give just everyone. And that just doesn't work for tech. So we start off by hearing uh, an example of what does not work. It's a new client of hers who sent her a paragraph from someone else's resume. He said he wanted his resume to sound like this. Listen to this and see what you think. So there was a guy you were telling me about a little while ago in an earlier conversation about, you gave an example of a paragraph that he wrote for you that you had to redo. So it was co-program lead for major finance transformation project with multiple work trends, including custom engines that enable key strategic process complexities. Project <laughs> complexity included gaining alignment with additional system transformations, key dependencies, and other system integrators. Okay. Okay. The story, oh, my God. It sounds great, though, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, not really. Wow. No, okay. The story, now I remember. This is the, this guy was a, is a consultant does auditing accounting kind of projects by some financial and the thing is nowadays i see the word transformation a lot and most of the stuff isn't transformational but this guy's an, a, an accountant so this is how he described his work and the client that contacted me wanted me to write that way oh okay and I said, I can't, I don't know what it means. He says, for example, he says that they, it's a multiple work threads. Every project has multiple work threads. And I don't know what a custom engine that enables key strategic process complexities. I have no idea what that is. Now, don't you suppose that he's thinking that somebody who does know what that is will read the resume? I. It, the people I showed it to didn't have a clue what he was talking about. And the people you showed it to were the kinds of people who would be screening that resume, right? Yeah. Hmm. It sat, the thing, you have to remember, first of all, with the consultant resumes, um, most of they, because you're just going to be in this, they're just going to pick profiles. A Deloitte is, or any consultant company is just going to pick profiles and present them as potential consultants. So they need to be as generic as possible. And 
they need to have the word strategic in there, it seems a certain number of times and transformational because companies want transformation. Okay. But here, let's just look. It's interesting what Dave Wells wrote. So he said, co-program leads suggest a leadership role and a collaborative role, which is, yes, that makes sense. But it's then he goes on to say, I'm confused whether it's program or project because a transformation and he's sort of mixing up project and program. So a program mm-hmm. could be as could be multiple projects mm-hmm. that lead to this transformational effort. But it's confusing about what kind of program is. For example, you could have a data governance. You could lead a data governance program because that's such a massive effort that you're going to have any number of individual projects that you might have a master data management project or a data quality project that's all part of this program. So there's a little bit confusion there about what the guy's role was. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then it's, and then Dave goes on to say, what is a finance transformation project? What does that mean? Is it changing the business processes? Because just some people consider transformation to be that you implemented this new system. And that doesn't necessarily mean that the business processes are going to change. It's transformation is about changing how the business does business. It's not about updating a version of software unless it's some dramatic, like for example, an ERP system is an enterprise resource planning system. And when those first came out, they were in fact transformational because organizations had to change everything about how they work. For example, if the ERP is for your manufacturing operation, then your supply chain processes are going to change. Your manufacturing processes are going to change. So that's really, people didn't call it transformational then, but that's really what that was. So this guy hasn't clarified at all what that means. He's just thrown out the word. If you need to cut me off, you please just go yeah, on. I'll, I'll, I'll cut you off later. I'll edit if it goes too long, but no, don't worry. Don't even let that enter your mind. Oh, and then Dave comes here to the multiple work threads. He says that means that several things being done in parallel, but like I said, every project has things working in parallel. You don't know. And Dave asks the question, maybe these are parallel projects and the collection of all these projects is what the program leadership or management comes into play. So that's like what I was saying, that if in fact he's putting himself out there as a program lead, but then is drilling down into the project stuff. So you don't even know why is that important? And then he says, okay, custom engines that enable, this is my favorite, (laughs) custom engines that enable key strategic process complexities. But Dave says he wants about implementing a new financial system, including ERP, which is what I was mentioning a moment ago, mm-hmm. or some package software. And that the scenario of customer engines, what does he say here? In that scenario, the customer engines would be the stuff that needs to be developed to provide functions 
not included. So it's maybe it's transformational because he implemented some massive system like an ERP system, but he had to, that maybe it didn't, that system did not fulfill all the needs. So he had to go in and create, he had to lead these additional or read, uh, create these complex processes to, to augment what that ERP system was doing. That I think that the thing here is that what he wrote is so vague as to be meaningless. It's just a bunch of keywords. And maybe as a consultant, I don't know, maybe that gets you noticed, but someone reading a resume, you have to figure out that you're going to have business people reading it. You're going to have technical people reading it. And I think the technical people are more likely to say, this is ridiculous. This doesn't mean anything. Whereas the business people might think, oh, big process complexities. I want that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think the point of this example is that you don't have to write long. On a resume, you can't write long. You have to be short. It has to be scannable. But there's lots of, I didn't do this person's resume. I did my clients and I said, I'm not writing this way because this doesn't mean anything. Mm -hmm. And I had to say it in nicer words, but you need to just realize that you got, you could be talking with an HR person. You could be talking with a technical person. Why can't you use a little bit more language and provide some information about the real value you're providing? And not just like this talk, this guy talks about the key process complexities. And then he talks about project complexity included getting alignment with, with additional system transformation. It's just, it's, why not just write cleaner? Uh, and then you, that brings up the topic of storytelling because yeah. you, you have that page of, or a series of pages on whether before and after. Right. And I looked at that and at first, I, frankly, I was a little bit skeptical because it was the storytelling just looked too brief. And then I realized, oh no, that is actual. I was being a little bit rigid in that moment that I looked at it and I, what you have in there are actual stories. You, when yes. you're talking about storytelling, you can't be, you can't be rigid. It's, uh, it's something that is so native to humans that it yeah. is, it comes in so many different forms. And I found this term captioning, which mm -hmm. it's, it's like a twig that brings to mind a tree. It's, it's this little piece and the human reader fills in all the rest. And so you do that very nicely in those very brief descriptions. And I wanted to, would you like to talk about that a little bit, how you go about that, how you write those things? The thing is that what I tell my clients, everybody's, a, they, they love the idea of storytelling, but they're not so sure how they could do it. And what I tell clients is that I don't want to talk about just whatever you implemented, because there are so many people implementing what seem like similar situations, similar products and services. So I tell them, 
I want you to also tell me about that journey you took. That journey could have multiple stories. Even part of you can think of the journey, was it, let's say that you're working for a company that's a little bit rigid and change resistant. It's mm -hmm. about, then that story is about how you're working with the key stakeholders to get them to be open to change, to organizational change management which is the, one of the biggest obstacles mm -hmm. to IT implementations. So maybe that's part, and your story might be just a couple sentences. And it's not just saying, some people will say, I talked with everybody, I got everybody on board. Well, perhaps there's a story in there about how you did that. Not just that describing what you did, but mm -hmm. how you did it. Was it that you, you had one-on-one -on -one conversations? Is that you did a lot of prototyping? You did a lot of, I had clients that they just do just this actual prototyping. So they constantly go through it and sit down with them and talk through it. And so you can provide that kind of information, but it can be very brief, but that's a story. And then going back to the larger implementation maybe another part of the story is that oh my gosh let's just actually let me change direction here for a second i had a client talking with a couple of days ago and his company had an aggressive mergers and acquisition strategy so he part of what he had to do is he had to go in there and do an assessment of the company they were buying, had to look at their infrastructure and make decisions about what was transferable, what new implementations needed to occur and so forth. And those are incredible communication skills that have to come into play. So part of his story was about how he got people on board with this tremendous change that was going to occur for them. Because normally, if you're acquired being, if your company is being acquired, it's an incredibly, there's lots of uncertainty and it's a very stressful time. So if you get someone almost like that Salesforce administrator or that communications, mm -hmm. change management and the business mindset, those are all critical to making sure that happens. So you want your story to be full of that. Yeah. That and that's kind of a roundabout explanation. Sorry. No, that's fine. And that, that kind of story then tells the recruiter, Hey, this guy is smart enough to improvise. Yes. Because some of it, what's people don't realize that if you got a merger, it's not just you integrate everything. You have to make, you have to truly understand where the business is going because some of it, yes, is systems integration. But a lot of times it's some blending of multiple domain operability. So it's making these decisions where do we come together? Where do we stay apart? And how do we connect? Those are the primary. And if you can, your stories about those three elements, that's important. It reminds me of something, something you said in an email a little bit earlier, somehow the topic of convention came up con being conventional and 
and you wrote, being conventional will never get you a job nowadays. Your industry is inundated with people. So you've got to be that kind of have that kind of different take. You can't be conventional because you'll get smothered in this industry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yes. If you were to, if you had five minutes to tell a group of, of job applicants, a potential job, or everybody is a potential job applicant these days, what would be some rules of thumb that you would give them about looking for a job? Looking for a job or writing their resume? For their oh, okay. Good point. Writing a resume. Okay. Okay. Some standard, this is just some standard stuff. Resumes these days, two, two and a half pages. You can get a lot of information. So number one, and, and people in IT work on a, a bazillion projects. Mm -hmm. So you have to, number one, you have to select what are those projects that best highlight your skills? They don't have to be the biggest projects. They have to be the projects where you think you learned something. You think that you had tremendous challenges and overcame them. So part of that, you have to narrow down and decide what stories are you going to tell. Mm -hmm. And then I say, the next thing is just when you're, you want to talk about the project, just start a casual narrative. Really just, Right. It can be just a paragraph where you just start and say, I came into the office on Monday and there were, I had one client who came into the office and it was a, it was a data center and all these fans were on because everything was overheating. <laughs> <laughs> so I said, I almost screamed, what a great story. <laughs> mm -hmm. But so that that's what you do. You, you select those five or six projects you want to highlight mm -hmm. and then just write out just a, a, a paragraph and then try to condense the paragraph. Say to yourself, is this an important part of the story? Do they really need to know this? Because your thinking is your resume. So people usually think that your resume is to get you the interview. No, your resume should also help you during the interview. Mm -hmm. So if you've already organized these stories in your mind and you've written them down, you're better prepared to interview well. Okay? Good point. If you write out this project story, let it sit for a day or two. Go back to it and condense it down. And mm -hmm. think about what is the most important thing? What does it, because people have a tendency to write long sentences. Long sentences, because they want to include everything. Long sentences are difficult to scan. So mm -hmm. you want to take this paragraph, remove the stuff you don't need, break it up enough so it's more consumable. It's easier for people to understand the message. Okay? Mm -hmm. And then you're ready. You have those stories and... You're ready to put those into your resume. And it's after that, it's one more step of you got to put it like into resume speak, start with an action verb or yeah. whatever. And then, and sometimes I use, if it's a more complex story, I'm going to use a major bullet item, talk, giving the background of what was going on, and then use sub bullets. 
use what? Sub-bullets. Mm, no, sub-bullets, so okay. There might be a primary bullet, which talks about we're going through a merger, whatever it was. And then the sub-bullets are more of the detail about the work that you did. And then mm-hmm. what happens is, as those, as you add more jobs, what you do, be- what you do is you go back to the end of your resume for your earlier experience, get rid of the sub bullets, just keep the major bullets. It's an easy update because you're gonna have to constantly change your resume. Once you understand this process, you can write your own resume, seriously. I do have lots of repeat customers. They, it's just, it's, they don't have time and life intercedes. And so they'll come back to me. But once you understand how to write this process or to describe what you're doing, you should be able to move forward your, with your own resume. At least theoretically, but find that it's when I write my own resume, I always, I'm full of doubt about whether I should put this word in or that word. It's, yeah. I'm way too close to it. And, and I've had friends over the years advise me to be sound more conventional. And and I think I'm by nature a little bit unconventional. That's why uh, that's what the bosses that I've liked have appreciated about what I do. Yes. The, the deal is there. Okay. There's, there's the thought that be careful who you ask. Yes. All right. I have had, I cannot tell you the number of conversations I've had with people who said that my, my husband or my wife said that I need to do more of this. And my wife is, looks at lots of resumes and I'm like, is she technical? Does she understand the work that you've done? It's always no. Or does he understand the technical? It's always no. And everyone wants to offer up advice about resume writing, what worked for them. Mm-hmm. And that's why there's lots of bad, <laughs> really mm-hmm. horrific technical writing advice out there. Yeah. And you can listen, but understand that these are technical resumes. These are not for office, regular office jobs. And what worked for somebody is not necessarily going to work for you. The best thing when when someone's sometimes I'll get a resume that looks pretty good, and I'll make a couple suggestions and just tell them start using it. That's your that's it, mm-hmm. and start submitting your resume and see what happens. If I once had a guy where he wanted to work for I think it was Google, and I said, it's really hard to get jobs there. He got a job, like he posted his resume and got an interview in the job first round mm-hmm. because he had a very unique set of skills that they were looking for at the time. Okay. Mm-hmm. So every job is going to be different and what the company needs at different points in time, is going to be different. And for technical people, Sometimes it simply can be what your primary technologies are. When data, oh my gosh, analytics, it wasn't that many years ago. If you were a data scientist and you had a certificate or something, you were going to be hired. Mm-hmm. Five years ago, you, 
I could do it in cray. I could have written your resume in crayon and you would have gotten your job. <laughs> and nowadays you have to pretty much at least have a, oh my God, a, a bachelor's, a, sort of more of a minimum of master's to even get noticed. As a matter of fact, one disturbing trend I see nowadays is that there's lots of schools offering analytic programs, Python programming. I've been contacted three times this week, and it's only Thursday, by people that are going through, the, they're, they're doing something else, most often non-technical stuff. They saw an ad. And they want to be a, po a Python developer. They want to get into analytics. They've heard about how much money they could make and they want me to write the resume and I will go out of my way to provide suggestions on how they can get more experience but it's basically I can't write a resume for you with this limited amount of education that's going to get you noticed I'm just and I'm not I would be easy to take your money I'm going to suggest that maybe you work on and try to work on an open source project get an internship somewhere, do something that gives you an in because the education alone, it depends on the program, of mm -hmm. course. But you know that when you see signs on the street corners, they're like Python programming for kids, the market is saturated, <laughs> okay? <laughs> so I'm actually gonna start writing more things about that because I get contacted by so many people and even universities do a terrible time helping their students understand the challenges and how to work around those. So I'm going to, I'm going to be doing some education around that. Maybe I can talk you into helping me. <laughs> <laughs> of course. <laughs> sure. That'd be fun. Yeah, because it's literally people want this information. How do you become successful in this area? And it's not just about the resume. It's how you're communicating what you can do and how you bring these skills together. It's really, it's people need this information. And even universities need to have access to so they can help their students do a better job understanding about transferable skills. Oh, that's that's interesting. And I look forward to reading what you write eventually. And, and helping me write. And I'll, <laughs> and, and sure, I'll help you and I'll be glad to. And, but in the meantime, we will go with what you, what you've advised. And this has been very interesting. So thank you very much, Jennifer Hay at itresumeservice.com. And I'm sure we'll hear more from you in the future. Yes, it's always a pleasure talking with you, Ted. You're just, you're very inquisitive. <laughs> <laughs> or, or as some people have called me, interesting. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> no, well, <laughs> I would take that as a big compliment. I do. I think it's I, interesting is the highest compliment. Yes, actually, yes. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> we'll be talking right. later. Yes, indeed. Okay. All right. Thank, Thank you, Jennifer. You. Well, that's it for this episode of Data Doodle Radio. I have another episode coming up with Jennifer Hay probably next week. 
And there we talk about a surprising quality that tech recruiters are looking for now. It's something I think most people wouldn't have guessed. By the way, if you haven't subscribed, please subscribe. Hit the subscribe button. It's easy. Fill out your information and you got it. If you're a free subscriber, please consider becoming a paid subscriber. Every little bit helps. I'm Ted Gazillo, and this is Data Doodle Radio.